0: Welcome to How to Scale, the podcast by Frog Capital focused on helping software companies to successfully scale up. For more than 10 years, we have developed a solid understanding of the common challenges that scale-up companies face. With our group of operating partners, who have learned from years of experience, we have created the scale-up methodology, which brings together insights and tools to help improve companies' probability of reaching sustainable profitability. Each podcast looks at a different challenge that all companies will face on their way to scale. My name is Jens During. I'm one of the senior partners at Frog Capital, the investor focused on purpose-driven European software companies in the scale-up phase. Over the last 20 years, my own personal journey has led me to work in this space, challenging the status quo to identify better ways to tackle problems. Make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Sign up! For the podcast at frogcapital.com/slash podcast. Today's episode is focused on scaling finance teams with Stephen Dunn. Steven has over 20 years of private equity experience gained both within private equity firms and as a senior executive of private equity-backed companies. In our conversation, we'll cover topics including organization and process of a scaling finance function, reporting, business intelligence and why engagement with the rest of the business is fundamental to success. Stephen, it's great to have you here with us in this podcast, because obviously the finance function is an important function for any scaling business. Can you tell us a little bit about how you start getting in touch with the finance functions, perhaps during the diligence phase already, and how that leads into the work you can do with them when, we are, when they are a portfolio company?
1: Yeah, thanks Jens. Yes, I, I think one of the evolutions of our process over the last few years has been recognizing that to build those really valuable relationships when the companies in the portfolio, it really helps to start it earlier through the due diligence process. It's the way we work with the other operating partners and I think it's really important that that's the way we work on the finance side as well. Often we're dealing with a slightly less mature function in finance that we we inherit, so when I start the conversations, it might not be with a head of finance, it might be with a COO or one of the founders who's been sort of re- part-time responsible for it in the past. But it's really a process of getting to understand where they are in their development, where the maturity of that finance function is, and then talking to them about how that can develop with our support in the scale-up function. But specifically through the, the DD process, it's really important for me to get a a clear understanding of of the starting point so that we don't send in a due diligence team asking questions which are irrelevant for that company and and that stage of development, that we really focus it down on the areas which are the risk areas that I see and the ones that are going to add most value. And I think we're starting right at the beginning, therefore, in demonstrating to, to these companies that we really understand their business and how they're going to grow And how we can maximize the use of their time by not wasting their time with generic due diligence requirements. We are absolutely going to be focused on what's required for them at their stage of development.
0: And that's a good point, Stephen, because what is the requirement for healthy finance function at the stage of development that we typically invest in? When the company turns over three to five million US? what are you looking for It's a minimum? Yeah, I guess not a lot, other
1: than that the numbers we are due diligencing are correct. It will often be at this stage that actually a lot of the accountancy is done by an outsourced function, and so we will be doing some of our DD on that process, how the information is exchanged between the two parties, and obviously the credibility of that outsourced process. So yeah, we're not really expecting an awful lot in terms of business insight or in terms of development of the function. We're really looking for that engagement around how it needs to develop to be relevant for the business as it goes from three to to five to 10 million and making sure that there's a degree of understanding amongst the senior management of how that can add value to the organisation. What we're trying to obviously get away from is the commonplace view that finance is is just stuck at the end of the chain, it just reports on what's already happened, and that's all that's required of it. And that might be all that it's doing at the point that we invest, but that education process of how it can be a center of data excellence and how it can really drive better decision-making and better resource allocation within the organization is a really important part of, of that education process, which we start in that due diligence process. It's not just about where we are now, it's about due diligence around what are the next steps and how would we implement
0: them in order for it to be better. So Stephen, you mentioned there how the requirements change as the company goes from 3 million to 5 million to 10 million of era and beyond. What are those steps? How does the finance function have to evolve in terms of an organization, but also in terms of processes?
1: So there's a, a very clear distinction within a finance function with, from some of the hygiene factors, which are the basics of getting the numbers right and, and managing the cash cycle to then starting to get into a more value-add proposition where you're generally generating insight for the company and actually helping decision-making on a forward-looking basis. So that starting point around the hygiene factors also needs to, to scale up because the last thing you want is revenue supposedly growing and not collecting more money. So from an initial stage where you might just have one accountant Probably you're looking at another recruitment to be around accounts receivable, obviously it depends on the business model and how much of it flows easily versus how much needs to be chased. But there's a really critical point here as the company starts to to develop and starts to get that scale that it gets good disciplines in place very early. If you get bad disciplines around cash management, if the salespeople don't record things very well in the system and it becomes difficult to collect or the clients are already complaining about what sort of invoices they're getting and they're not quite right, so it goes through a, a delayed process, those things can be sort of almost washed away in the early stage where maybe you've got lots of cash and it doesn't matter. And in two or three years time, when you may be in a difficult situation, they can suddenly become really important. And if you haven't solved them early, you can't solve them in a crisis. So there's that building of of the processes and making sure that the, the underlying foundations are really solid and are fit for purpose and people understand the disciplines required. And then you start building it with more expertise that allows the finance function to really start to ingrain itself in the wider business, be seen as understanding the wider business or spotting issues which might be ahead in terms of bottlenecks, in terms of forecasting forward different scenarios which the company needs to plan for. So at some point you're going to have to get that expertise in place. And where we're always starting from is... You're going to need a really good quality CFO to sit on top of that, to manage that situation and actually be essentially the BI person initially as they build out the, the business intelligence operation. But the, the sooner you get that in place, even if it's still a little bit of overkill at the start, the easier it is to get all of these things in place and start that change of attitude of the finance function to be a value-add proposition rather than just a hygiene function. And then the rest of the organization buy into that as well.
0: That's an important development step to, to realize for most companies where the CFO person is actually someone who doesn't look just after the finances, the health requirement, but also contributes to the decision-making of the entire management team. Have you seen any challenges in identifying when such a person is is needed and in recruiting the right profile? What are the attributes of the right Profile at what's- yes, I mean, I think every time we get
1: some sort of challenge around it, and it's it's something that normally there will be some expectation that there's a bit of an upgrade required in the finance function. And normally the spec that they would put forward to me would look more like a financial controller, even if they're giving them the CFO title. So it's really about upselling the quality of person that's required in that finance function who might then be relevant for... The next five years, as opposed to somebody who the company is going to outgrow within a year or two. And obviously, people can develop, and that's part of my role is to help them to develop. But but they have to have some critical facilities about them. And as you say, one of the key things here is you're bringing someone into finance who really cares about the whole organisation and has something to add to the whole organisation. So in many ways, I see it as just an extension of, of senior management capacity with some functional expertise but it has to have be somebody who really has a complementary skill set to the rest of the senior management that can really fill in some of the gaps that are required in scale up and normally with a CFO they will be better at process and discipline and organization and some of those things that you know, maybe some of the founders were not so good at they will realize it's great for them as well to delegate down to someone who is better at it and then they can focus on the areas that re- they're really good at
0: and that's actually a topic that is worthwhile going a bit deeper into because i certainly know and i appreciate how you've helped some of our portfolio companies find the right cfo how do you work with the portfolio companies the ceos out there and support them in selecting the right finance person as i say
1: initially it's about taking their job spec and and comparing it to what i think is is the right job spec, and comparing it obviously to some of the other cfos we've recruited into the portfolio and, and the feedback we've had around them and their contributions. So it's that education piece for a start. Often, even if you haven't completely won the battle around where that person should be, just getting them to interview a range of people and see what you get for different levels of money, different levels of, of remuneration, will start to open their eyes a bit about what sort of value someone at the, the higher level can, can add. Now, Obviously, what we're really looking for as a CFO is someone who is totally comfortable challenging the existing management and can do that in a constructive way. But obviously we need to get that engagement with the management as well, that that's something that they will buy into. There's no point getting someone in who has that sort of mentality if they're not being listened to and one they won't stay very long either. So it's important that this, this is sort of like a, a learning process through the recruitment process. And we'll, we'll probably do more interviews than, than is necessary in order for them to get their understanding, to get the bigger picture. And then hopefully they see the trade-off that we see, that that it's a short-term money-saving decision to go with someone cheaper and you're better investing for the long-term early and getting the value
0: from that person much earlier. And you mentioned something here that I've certainly seen as well as a challenge. The finance lead, the CFO person, usually comes with different bias, different psychological preferences than the rest of the management team. And there's the pitfall of hiring somebody who's easy to get along with, but doesn't actually provide the right challenge. How do you support the management teams here to understand these challenges and make them work rather than end up in conflict? Well, to be honest, Jens, I
1: think you do a bit of that work for me anyway, because they only come along with frog if that's the sort of relationship they want. They want a challenging relationship. They realize that they need to change in order to be successful through scale up. So if they've already started the dialogue with Frog and maybe they've met you and or Mike and some of the other operating partners, they get a sense of the way that we work. So there's clearly a, a buy-in to the idea that you need complementary skills, you need challenges in order to go forward. And I think it's just that next bit of, of selling of understanding the range of people you get in the CFO role is is much broader than they would expect. They might expect some sort of fairly dull accountants who, who just want to you know produce the the basic management accounts and do nothing else. Whereas the reality is any CFO worth their salt is going to be absolutely focused on generating value in that business for all of the, the shareholders, including those founders. So it's a, it's a really interesting process to go through them meeting that sort of character and realizing how much that could possibly add in their organization. And obviously the key thing for us is being able to demonstrate it elsewhere in the portfolio where we can get them to talk to existing CFOs and their their CEOs and their CTOs who suddenly have realized that so much has been taken off their plate and so much freedom comes with having a really good CFO who basically just says don't worry about this part of the business I've got it covered and there will be transparency around conversations as to how we take the business
0: forward as a holistic viewpoint rather than it being in little silos of decision making. Yeah, and you mentioned another good point here. The proof is in the pudding. We have now worked with 16 portfolio companies who have all benefited from your insight, other insight, and frankly, really good leadership across our portfolio with no company struggling to get out of Corona. We're now entering another emerging period where we all think a recession is around the corner. How has your interaction with the CFOs evolved? You're right, it
1: is an evolution rather than the fundamental change. I think it's just about focusing on on priorities. One of the key things that we've we've always talked to our portfolio CFOs about is is optionality and scenario planning and making sure that they are prepared for difficult situations. We talk a lot about route to profitability, so they're not dependent on the next fundraising round, but obviously chasing growth where, where that's the, a reasonable option. So I think it's just sort of extending that to make sure maybe some of them are a little bit more stuck in the the weeds of their own organization. And sometimes the conversations with me are just raising their horizons a little bit to think, okay, even if the recession is a year, 18 months away, it'd be nice if it is 18 months away, but they need to be thinking about it now. And, and they need to be preparing their organizations well, in ahead, well ahead of it. They need to start engaging with the company so that any scenarios they're coming up with is not a finance scenario. It's an organization scenario that other people have bought into and they know how they would react to, to different situations in order to whether it's you know, extending cash runway or, or looking at how they get to profitability earlier. It's really important that they are out there in the organisation and getting buy-in for the scenarios that they then come up with and then it feels fully formed and credible. So sometimes it it is that just sort of re- reprioritizing some of the thinking that the CFOs are going through and making sure that some of the things that are on our mind are also on their mind. We often talk about this as a way that there's no point us having objectives internally as an investor if they're not actually being adopted by that company internally. And I find that some of the things that maybe would be slightly more difficult to get complete buy-in around the board table are something that the CFO and I will talk about and agree and they can go away and do in the background. And then I'm comfortable that when the need arises, the board will have something that's already started and started to be fleshed out rather than starting from
0: scratch. And one evidence that I certainly can see as a board member is in these situations, the CFOs come better prepared for the questioning of the board and hence get more buy-in from the board to actually go down a path that might look more at preserving value than creating some more not tangible value in the future. Stephen, one other point where I know you help our portfolio companies quite a bit is on the exit preparation side. Can you elaborate a little bit on your role you have with CFOs in preparing companies for an eventual sale?
1: Indeed. And again, my sort of starting point is almost as soon as you've joined the business, you're preparing for exit. That is the nature of the companies that we're backing. Whether that ultimately is is another funding ground or a, an exit some investors to a, a PE fund or actually a strategic, there's going to be a very similar requirement of getting through a due diligence process, having that data readily available, and creating a level of confidence very quickly that this is a well-run company that's got all the information they need very quickly available, and therefore it's a repeatable process. I think one of the things that I often talk to them about is you know, due diligence is a little bit of a confidence game. The, the earlier you get people to believe that you're right on top of things, the earlier they'll stop asking the questions. And as soon as you give them any reason to doubt, then they will ask more and more. So it's almost right from the start, it's, it's that whole piece around building documented process and organization from the start means that when you get through to a DD process, suddenly it's a lot easier to put that together in a data room because you're not trying to make things up at the last minute to create them for a DD process you've just helped to build the business in the right way and therefore you are naturally much better prepared for that process whenever it happens. And I think, you know, again around the optionality, you can't determine when that process might happen. You, We might get an inbound offer from a company at any point in time and it's incumbent upon the CFO to be ready for that. They might need a little bit more work to get completely ready, but a lot of the basics should always be there. Uh, and I think this is about that change of mentality, whereas maybe Prior to us investing, a lot of the processes were sort of informal. A lot of the operations were, you know, run by word of mouth from the founders and getting that uh, into a documented form so that it is a repeatable process that anybody coming new into the organisation can absolutely buy in. We're not cre- talking about bureaucracy. We're just talking about good organisational process that means that people can integrate and therefore, as you scale so fast with so many new people coming in, they all know what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve. And there isn't a sort of a running around like hedgehog's chickens trying to find out from the person who knows what was what they're supposed to be doing. So I think that, that sort of naturally in my mind is about how do you build a business in the right way? How do we scale up with best practice that naturally feeds into a, a proper exit process? But you're right, that, that a lot of that comes back to the CFO seeing that vision of this is what I'm going to need and therefore we're going through it. And that sometimes helps them to sell it into the rest of the organization as the value add bit is, we're going to need this in three years time, so let's start doing it now. As I say, fundamentally, I think they should be doing it anyway, but sometimes you need some tools in your armory to sell it internally to make sure things get done.
0: And I think this is an important point to realize. This is not a switch that you change and then all of a sudden you create a data room and create the data. This is actually something that is already there in most companies that we've been involved with because it's part of good decision making. Steven, thank you very much for your time here. I hope this has been useful for our portfolio companies and for the business out there. And we have to do that outro again at some stage. You can find Steven's toolkit on scaling finance teams at crockcapital.com slash scaling finance, as well as many other scale up insights and toolkits from our other crock operating partners. In the next episode, we will focus on scaling a business sustainably, talking to Stephen Dunn, Frog's head of portfolio and one of Frog's senior partners. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, sign up for the podcast at frogcapital.com slash podcast. And finally, thank you for listening. We welcome all feedback, questions, or topic suggestions for us to cover in future episodes. So please email howtoscale at frogcapital.com make sure you don't miss any future episodes, sign up for the podcast at frockcapital.com slash podcast. Frog invests in purpose-driven European software scale-ups, making a positive impact on society. We look for businesses who have reached product market fit and are generating over 3 million euros of annual recurring revenue, what we see as a characteristic of the scale-up phase. It's a stage where businesses are continuing the path of positive growth, Purpose-driven route to sustainability and profitability. Our own purpose is to help scale the most exciting purpose-driven software companies in Europe. We do this with world capital and our in-house team of operating partners, who work closely with all the companies we invest in to overcome the inevitable challenges. Scale up space.